the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following is a conversation between Nicole Sexton, President and CEO of the Entertainment Industry Foundation, and Denver Frederick, host of The Business of Giving on AM 970 The Answer, WNYM, in New York City. It was back in 1942 when Samuel Goldwyn, along with pals such as Humphrey Bogart and James Cagney, founded what was to become the Entertainment Industry Foundation. And ever since then, EIF, as it's commonly known, has been the entertainment community's trusted partner in philanthropy. And it's a delight to have with us tonight their president and CEO, Nicole Sexton. Good evening, Nicole, and welcome to the Business of Giving. Good evening. Nice to see you. Share with the listeners some of the history of EIF and the unique role the organization plays. Uh, Sure. So one important founder that we left off was Joan Crawford. There was a woman in the mix. Um, EIF was founded to be the collective voice of the entertainment industry at the time. So key to its architecture were Sam Goldwyn and the Warner Brothers in that they brought two studios together. And from there, actors from both studios, uh, as time has gone on, agencies have played a role in our board makeup. Uh, Television networks also have a seat on our board. And it is this unique mix of cause, purpose, and power Mm -hmm. around a singular board table that allows EIF to do some pretty extraordinary things. One of those is to do what is called a roadblock, which is when all network channels across uh, across all digital platforms and streaming platforms for the major networks are blocked for one important message. And so that's often used for education, for healthcare, um, uh, particularly with Stand Up to Cancer. But that is, is the kind of power that a board like ours uh, can um, – take advantage of or harness, I like to think of the board as the NASDAQ of philanthropy <laughs> in in Hollywood. Yeah, well, that is quite extraordinary. Would the primary focus of the organization <clears throat> be supporting Hollywood, and by that I mean the greater Los Angeles community or the causes of the celebrities who live and work there? Actually, it's a little of both. In mm-hmm. the beginning, one of the first efforts was a war bond effort. There was also a push to start a community arts fund, which still exists today, the L.A. County Community Arts Fund. And Permanent Charities, as we were originally known, was the seed funder for that effort. Um, as time has marched on and celebrities are using their platforms to take up more individual and personal causes, there has been a role for EIF to play in helping to support their administrative needs in whatever cause they choose to to impact. So we might handle all of their uh, fundraising back end. We might handle all of their reporting and filing. They can start what's called a fund with us, which is essentially 
an account in which they raise all of their money and deploy all of those assets towards whatever cause or interest they have. And that's called fiscal sponsorship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there are a lot of influential people in Hollywood who are passionate about their cause. And beyond fiscal sponsorship, um, they want you to get really fully behind it. And I know mm-hmm. you can't do everything. So how do you determine which ones to get behind and which ones you have to say uh, no to? You know, there are a lot of things that will seem to come together for the perfect storm. Literally, in the case of crisis response and environmental response, um, EIF has been the administrative partner to the entertainment industry for the past 18 years, Mm -hmm. starting with Hope for Haiti Now. And there have been, unfortunately, uh, numerous events of um, of a grand scale in which the entertainment community wanted to step up and either raise funds or awareness. The most recent effort that we supported was uh, the devastating wildfires throughout California, and we helped first responders with some equipment needs as well as uh, local animal rescue and supporting families who had been displaced by the wildfires across the state. But the whole entertainment industry uses its um, opportunity and uses its power to help message, to help develop messages, to place messages. So it it really has um, the ability to move funding and awareness along at kind of a record pace, which is a real asset. However, um, you you know, it is important to make sure that all interests are aligned, as you said, so that you can take advantage of the, of the full impact of the organization. Uh, there are so many great causes out there. There are so many uh, worthy organizations that would love to have a little bit of spotlight. Our board has chosen in the healthcare space, Stand Up to Cancer and Cancer as their focus. Um, and um, and then outside of that, we usually have two or three kind of cornerstone projects. Mm-hmm. Despite having been around for these 77 years that mm-hmm. we've talked about, I think you've generated over a billion dollars in philanthropy for worthy yes. causes. You have not been fully understood or appreciated by some, even in Hollywood. And I know as part of your charge, Nicole, you were asked to reimagine and rebrand the organization when you came on board in 2017. What have been some of the things you've been doing in this regard? Well, the feeling has always been that the causes should stand before the organization. So in the case of Stand Up to Cancer as a program, there are very few people, unless you're inside Hollywood or in in the industry in some way, who would recognize that EIF is actually the organizing body that is behind the program, which is Stand Up to Cancer. Uh, the same thing with our disaster response. Mm-hmm. You know, we have something that will help to uh, identify and tell the story of what we're trying to impact. But the Entertainment Industry Foundation is not often the thing that people think of when they think of of giving. So uh, one of the things that we've done is create programs that have a, a marquee or a brand that we can use as the way to solicit funds and get people excited about what we're trying to impact. One of the things that we've done 
since I have been with the organization is to bring back fiscal partnership as a way of helping those who work in the entertainment field realize the full uh, the the full vision of their philanthropy, and not every person in the entertainment industry or otherwise needs to start their own nonprofit in order to have deep impact. You can partner with an organization, or you can set up a fund and have just as much impact without some of the administrative. Uh, hurdles that you'd have to go through, and you can get started right away. And and I think for many in the entertainment field, their time and talents and their vision is is much better spent on being creative and figuring out how to use their platform and their voice versus filing paperwork and making sure that they've um, that they've filled out their nine nineties. Correctly. Yeah, right. So, no, I do applaud um, you for that. I'm, I was thinking so that's that one of the things we've done. We have about a million and a half nonprofit organizations uh-huh. in a country of a bit over 300 million mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And that's a one to 200 ratio, which is a bit crazy. And I do know that with a lot of these entertainers, they're worried about their reputation. Mm-hmm. And they can be the most upright, upstanding citizens mm-hmm. and do a job, but they're not doing the back end properly. And it can it can come back to bite them, and to be able to take that off their plate is really a great. Uh, it's really helpful. It also, you know, a lot of of really extraordinary, well intentioned, and super smart, talented individuals hire a cousin mm-hmm. or an aunt or a brother who is also well intentioned, but just perhaps not equipped to manage all of the aspects. You know, philanthropy, it's a business. And um, and so there are expectations. Right. And, and the IRS, that, IRS is an agency. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, um, so it is, I think, a relief to many. Um, we've had some, some good success, you know, and, and just as you said, the most well-intentioned individuals can get tripped up and in the world of social media, it only takes kind of one tweet to start a firestorm. So it is important to know what you're doing, to partner with people who can help you make smart decisions and to um, to protect yourself as much as you can. Let's talk a little bit more about Stand Up to Cancer because mm-hmm. perhaps that's the best known mm-hmm. of all the programs that, that you have uh, generated. Um, how did that get started and what's on tap for this year? So Stand Up to Cancer is in its um, – it's going into its 12th year. Mm-hmm. It's in its 11th year now. So its 12th year, it will have um, another one of its um, kind of groundbreaking roadblock telecasts. Uh, the, it was founded by 10 women who were uh, all close friends or had worked with Laura Ziskin – and she was suffering from cancer, and she was really the driving force behind their push to do something unexpected. And they've been, these extraordinary women have been incredible in their ability to not only take advantage of the tools of the Entertainment Industry Foundation and the, the community in which the foundation works, but also leveraging science, technology, and the pharmaceutical and and uh, science communities to create these dream teams mm-hmm. and really 
have have put in motion some pretty catalytic research and and had some unbelievable outcomes in a relatively quick period of time. Yeah, you have over 100 teams that mm-hmm. you have uh, yes. helped to fund. Um, when is this year's uh, roadblock going to be? It is always, um, so it's every other year, mm-hmm. and it's always in the fall. Okay. So, so about it, correct, about mm-hmm. a year and some change from now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talked about disaster relief mm-hmm. a few moments ago, and mm-hmm. you have a signature program around that, which is Music for Relief. Yes. Speak to that. So Music for Relief was started by the band Lincoln Park about 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. And two years ago, when they lost a band member, the members of the uh, um, of the group were struggling with the what's next, not only as professional musicians, but also for their philanthropy. And so they came to EIF to discuss how we might take what they had created and the extraordinary impact that they had had around the world in stepping in when disaster struck and how they might either turn that into a fund or we even discussed at that time sunsetting what what they had built. And as they talked, as we learned more, we realized that EIF had been in the disaster or crisis response business for a number of years, but we didn't really have the architecture in place. Mm-hmm. So by bringing Music for Relief into EIF and actually making it our official crisis response program, it allowed us to ramp up really quickly. And the model is um, very similar to other programmatic models that we've created where we have an advisory council of experts in the field. So from agencies and organizations that are on the ground the minute disaster strikes. And they are really at the center of of the success of the program because they speak to our board and they speak to the entire industry on best volunteer opportunities, uh, where there's need for most uh, for um, for financial resource, where they can uh, send supplies or goods, or what they should be focusing on, which agencies are doing mm-hmm. the best work, and how they can impact them. And it is through their council that the community has been responding, and it, it's worked pretty well. Yeah. You know, it's a <laughs> it's a relatively new model, but um, I've been so. Uh, pleased and so moved by the incredible success in the coming together of the industry. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you about one more, and this would be a public awareness campaign, which is Mm -hmm. I Am a Voter. Ah, I Am a Voter is a great campaign. (laughs) Um, So we started that 10 weeks before the 2018 elections. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, there was a great push to increase voter, voter turnout in the midterm elections. There, just as you mentioned, there are a number of organizations. There were a number of organizations that helped to push voter turnout, and I think everybody feels really good about the increase in turnout in 2018. I am a voter. is um, It is completely apolitical. It is only about inspiring, getting people to register, and uh, and being 
uh, sure that they have the tools they need, transportation equipment, whatever it uh, it may be, that that there's a place to answer questions so they make it to the polls. Mm-hmm. Our only goal is to get as many people registered and voting um, as we can. So there will be another effort, a more robust effort around 2020 because we have um, the gift of a bit more time and there will be, I think, quite a bit of focus on yeah. the 2020 well, you, elections. You did an awful lot with that already. You had, a, exactly. I think, a, over a million dollars of donated space and a billion, billion and a half we, uh, impressions. I we, mean, amazing. We did. There are some, I can take no credit, there are some extraordinary women and men who are behind the effort, who conceived of the idea and then uh, came together and brought others under the tent in order to to create uh, something pretty special in a very short period of time. So, Nicole, are mm-hmm. there any innovations or trends that you're seeing in the Hollywood philanthropic community, the charitable scene, if you will, that could spread to other communities across the country in the near future? You know, um, there are, I think, so many ways to engage the entertainment community. But the first thing that you need to understand is that if it's not authentic, it won't last. Mm -hmm. And people will see right through it and probably not respond well to it. So finding causes um, or aligning yourself with individuals who have already identified causes that have some symmetry with your message or mission, I think is the first and most important thing to do. And where you can, um, you know, pull resources and and have and, and don't be afraid to open up the conversation about doing something that's of mutual benefit because from there I think you can really build a relationship and a partnership with someone um, and it's not so transactional. Yeah, and it seems at least what I've been able to observe, celebrities are using social media yes. a lot more now a than perhaps more. just showing up at a gala the way they did and are having greater impact. They're having greater impact, and there are you know there are um, virtual meet and greets that you can do with celebrities now backstage at a concert or after an event. They you know they can they can tee up a half a dozen virtual meet and greets, and it feels like you're right there talking to the individual, asking questions. And it's a great way, I think, for um, for people to take full advantage of their time, no matter where they are, and impact causes that they care about. Tell us a little bit about uh, EIF. You're a nonprofit organization. Who mm-hmm. funds you? What are your sources of revenue? So we are funded through our programs. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really do any general fundraising for EIF as an organization, we we build these programs that have impact, and from there we'll have uh, private donors, foundations, corporations. Um, we cover our cost. We run a very lean team, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the rest goes back into the organizations that are doing the great work. Speaking about that lean team. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it like to work at EIF? What is your corporate culture, and what do you think makes it really special? I think that we have some extraordinarily talented individuals, and it's wonderful to see them 
conceive of an idea and then bounce it around the table and turn it into something kind of magical. And so I feel really blessed every day because I get to surround myself with people a whole lot smarter than than I am. And um, and they, you know, they keep things moving and they keep it fun. There's a lot of joy in our office. Well, that's great. Mm-hmm. What part of your job do you enjoy the most and what do you find to be the most difficult? Um, well, the, uh, the most, I'll end on a, on a, on a happy note. The most difficult is being away from New York because that's home. And <laughs> well, that's we like where, to hear that. <laughs> that's where my family and friends are. And so that has, um, I have not been shy. I'm working on it, but I've not been shy about that being uh, a, a pretty difficult move for me. Um, what do I enjoy the most? I really I enjoy the people. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy the people. I'm inspired by them. I'm grateful to them. And, um, and I'm consistently moved by how invested and creative they are. Let me close with this, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Is there any place you would love to take EIF that you haven't gone yet, but at least you're beginning to think about? I think there's a lot of conversation about inclusion and access, and I think that there is a lot of opportunity to get it right in many spheres. We talk about inclusion almost as though it's a kind of a punch word Mm -hmm. because when we talk about it, we talk about it in silos. And so a lot of the programmatic opportunities that we're looking at now are how to break those barriers down because when you work in an inclusive environment or when you're part of an organization or um, or or participate in something that is truly inclusive nobody looks the same (laughs) and everybody adds something special to the mix and i and i just don't think we're there yet i think we talk about it a lot but i don't think we're there yet and so if eif through using the tool of entertainment in hollywood and through the wonderful platform that we have can help to really inspire uh um, a dynamic kind of everything in a place and a place where everybody feels accepted and included, that would be great. Yeah. It sounds to me what you're trying to do is change the mindset first change and the, the mind- behaviors will follow. Yes. <laughs> that is what we're trying to do. More to come. More to come. Stay tuned. Well, <laughs> Stay Nicole tuned. Sexton, the president and CEO of the Entertainment Industry Foundation, I want to thank you so much for being here this evening. For people uh, who want to get involved in any one of these causes, Stand Up to Cancer or the others that you're behind, tell us a little bit about your website and some of the info you got on it. Uh, So eifoundation.org has all of the history of our organization. It also has all of, we mentioned, our philanthropic partners where we offer fiscal sponsorship. So we have everything from a project that is doing extraordinary work around educating young women in South Africa to a a young entertainer who wants to help kids on the street in the San Francisco Bay Area. So there are a lot of programs and there's a lot of opportunity to be a part of some impact. It's also really great to see what people are really investing themselves in. And then, of course, Stand Up to Cancer and Music for Relief are also on our website as well. Along with your education program. Along with our education program. Well, thanks, Mm -hmm. Nicole. It was a real pleasure to have you on the program. Thank you so much. I'll be back with more of the Business of Giving right after this. 
The Business of Giving can be heard every Sunday evening between 6 and 7 p.m. Eastern on AM 970 The Answer in New York and on iHeartRadio. You can follow us at BizOfGive on Twitter and at Facebook.com slash BusinessOfGiving. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.